Welcome back to Half Past Capitalism, where we talk about alternatives to capitalism as if they were possible. This show is part of the Harbinger Media Network. Our guests today are Drs. Carmen Marcoeo and Angel Erasti. They are solidarity economy researchers based in Spain and the authors of some very interesting research on the Mondragon Network of Cooperatives. Carmen is a professor of business management at the University of Zaragoza, and Angel is a professor of, at the Institute of Cooperative Law and Social Economy at the University of the Basque Country. Welcome to both of you. Thank Welcome, you. Drew. Thank you very much for inviting us. Thank you for your invitation. Thank you very uh, much. So by, so by way of introduction, uh, Mondragon, from my understanding, is a, a massive network of cooperatives that covers about 75,000 workers and 270 cooperatives or organizations. Uh, Mondragon cooperatives include banks, educational institutions, research, manufacturing, and other industries. Uh, and the industrial division alone has 68 different cooperatives and 140 subsidiaries. I'm reading here from uh, effectively uh, Carmen and Angel's paper. Uh, the core of what makes Mondragon fascinating, um, from my perspective anyway, is that all those cooperatives are, formally speaking, owned and democratically managed by the workers. So this basic fact uh, really transforms, this sort of trickles down, it, it transforms every aspect of the enterprise, um, as far as I can see. And, and, and life in a Mondragon cooperative looks very different um, than really anything, anything like a transnational corporation of, the, of similar size. Um, so before we get into your sort of specific research on Mondragon, I was wondering if you have anything you would add to that sort of characterization overall of, of, of the Mondragon cooperatives. Carmen. Angel, would you like to start? <laughs> okay. okay. No, it's, I think it's a good introduction. Uh, just to remark that uh, Mondragon is not one um, company, no? Mondragon is a federation of independent uh, cooperatives. It's a, a complex of cooperatives. And as you have said, there are industrial, consumer, banking, educational, research and development cooperatives. And all, all of them are um, worker-owned and, in a way, worker-managed, no? There are many, there are maybe bigger cooperatives in the world than Mondragon in the consumer and banking sector or agriculture or energy, but uh, a group of cooperatives working together, um, linked uh, with the community and with this uh, development in self-management or uh, uh, economic democracy, it's not easy to find. Indeed. Um, and, and can we just characterize um, maybe just very briefly what the um, what the sort of coordinating layer looks like? Uh, you know, it, you know, what 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 is the structure that brings all of these different cooperatives together and and, and makes it possible for them to work together? What is the, the structure? OK. This, uh, this uh, coordination system has been changing um, uh, in time. No? Mondragon's cooperatives were founded in the 50s, uh, 1956. And at the beginning, it was the bank. They were structured around the bank and around the, um, how do you say, regional valleys. No? Nowadays, there is a, they call the Mondragon Corporation, which is not a corporation, really. It's uh, central services central services made of 60, 70 people uh, coordinating a little, all the system. But we have to say it again. Every cooperative is autonomous. Every cooperative takes its own decisions. And then they have this coordination system with the Mondragon Congress, which meets almost every year, with the Mondragon or the General Council, which is a kind of top management of the corporation. But and they have all these also solidarity mechanism, no, to help cooperatives each other, no, with the um, they put also money, they pull money to do projects together. So it's also they have been developing this uh, coordination mechanism during the last 60, 70 years, and it's getting more, and more complex and, and rich. 
Angel said it's a very interesting thing. It's, it's an experience very old, more than uh, around 70, 70 years old. So during this time, the, there are many kind of uh, different moments and evolution of the, as you say, coordination and structure and so on. But for me, there are two main things. It's a cooperative that start with people for the people. And also it's an experience of uh, uh, economic democracy. How we can develop a project, even if it's a, in my opinion, I, I'm not sure. In my opinion is a, a life project because you have education for from the little, little child until the university, you can be in the, in the University of Montreal and you can uh, receive the finance service, you can receive the consult service, you can receive from this, uh, uh, from this project, it's a whole project. It's, it's not only an industrial cooperative because it's, it's the, 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 the traditional imagine of, of uh, Montreal is an industrial cooperative. Of course, there are very big industrial cooperatives, but also there are all the service that the people need to, to have a good life. So, so what I, I just want to jump into your your research a little bit. You both followed um, sort of the the sort of whole life uh, of of one of the Mondragon cooperatives, Electrodomesticos. Um, and I just I guess I just wanted to start with the sort of end of that cooperative's life. Maybe you could say, say what the cooperative was and what it did. But um, but I want to talk about yeah. So so what happens when a cooperative uh, goes out of business for whatever reason within the Mondragon network? What happens to the workers, what happens to the factories, how, how does that process unfold? I mean, you need some context no, to talk about these things and we have to say, well, no, let's say, uh, beginning also from the ending, no, as you say, and that was an exception. Mondragon Cooperative has an extraordinary rate of growth and survival, um, but it's not 100%. There are exceptions, and the exceptions, in this case, it was Favor Electrodomesticos. And Favor Electrodomesticos, it wasn't any cooperative. It was the largest cooperative, in, the largest industrial cooperative of Mondragon. No? In the good times of Favor Electrodomesticos, there were like 10,000 people working in this cooperative, almost 5,000 members. Uh, in the time of the closing, in the bankruptcy, in 2013, at this time, it was a smaller cooperative because during the last year, it, it was in crisis, and they were also, uh, well, no, Downsides in the cooperative uh, or the factory, no? What happened at the very, very end? But the very, very end, uh, uh, the company, for many reasons, for many reasons, economical, uh, external, internal, uh, it was the crisis, 2008 crisis, no? That was, uh, um, and, and as many other uh, companies and as many other competitors, it failed. What happened then for workers? But I have to make the distinctions. Uh, probably some of the subsidiaries were bought by competitors. So the workers continued to work in these uh, subsidiaries. The subsidiaries in, in Poland and in France, they were bought by competitors. So the workers, maybe it was also, maybe some subsidiaries, they closed the subsidiary in China or Morocco. And then in the Basque country, most of the workers were um, worker members and they were, uh, they, they lost their job, they lost their savings, but they didn't go unemployed. No, they, they were relocated in other cooperatives. There were uh, a strong solidarity effort by Mondragon. And the workers of the pilot cooperative went to work to other uh, cooperatives in the surrounding areas. That was basically. Some of them also start, continued working in the remaining factory of favor electrodomesticos, but the, the main idea is, was the solidarity mechanism with early retirement and relocation of workers. But we are talking about relocation of more than a thousand workers relocated in other cooperatives, which is extraordinary. Uh, extraordinary rescue operation of workers. And, and Carmen, Carmen, I just wanted to ask how, how, how did the workers um sort of respond to this or what, what's their sort of view of it? Um, or what are the different views that you hear from workers? As, as uh, Angel said, this was uh, an extraordinary moment in uh, Mondragon Corporation. It's the first time that's something like a, a emblematic uh, cooperative failed, uh, but failed after a many uh, extraordinary problems. We, we have to remember this 2008. 2008 started a big, big crisis 
with uh, consequences really big only for other companies, not for the cooperatives especially, it's for all the kind of companies. As you say, as said, from Angel, uh, there were uh, incredible uh, solidarity mechanism for rescue the, especially the, the company at the beginning. And when they decided we cannot do more, they were there were an incredible mecha solidarity mechanism for uh, rescue the, the workers and the, the the worker members. But of course, it's a complex situation. Of course, there are uh, people that don't um, understand what happened at the, in this moment because they lost the job. They, they, they lost the savings, so it was really hard. But of course, they are, for, in my opinion, the more important, the most uh, amount of people, they are very grateful about the effort of the rest of the cooperatives in order to rescue the jobs and start again, no? start a, in a new process. So was there a difference um, between the treatment of the workers in the sort of the Mondragon core, shall we say, in Basque country, in Spain, um, and the ones in Poland or other places? Um, what, what Would you say that there was a, a difference in terms of the amount of solidarity? Uh, of course, this is, uh, I mean, in Mondragon, there is a, a network of cooperatives that can uh, help the workers, no? I mean, uh, if you are working in one town and in this cooperative, you can go to work to another cooperative, which is uh, in the same town or 10 kilometers away or maybe 50 kilometers away. But in this, uh, but you don't have that in, in Poland or in Morocco or in China. There is, uh, you don't have this support or surrounding uh, businesses that will help you in case of necessity. So, and this is, uh, this is in Mondragon, this idea of relocation has been developed also during this idea of these practices has been developed during many years, no? in the research, in the 19, for example, in the crisis of 1973, what was a huge crisis in the Basque country. Also, it was extraordinary because in the Mondragon system, the, any cooperative, any job was lost, no? because of this uh, solidarity mechanism, which has been developed over the years. Um, and and so, I mean, I think that sort of brings us to what I find fascinating about your research, which is the sort of attempt by Mondragon to expand overseas and, and not just to expand its operations, but to bring its cooperative culture as well. And obviously, Mondragon is the product of a very unique history. You have the, the, the Basque region uh, and, and the people who have, a, you know, are very linguistically distinct, but also culturally distinct. Uh, there's, there, is, there seems to be a strong culture of solidarity. Um, and a specific sort of political relationship to the rest of Spain, which is all these things, from my understanding, have enabled Mondragon to become what it is. Um, and so it's very hard to replicate. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people go to Mondragon and say, oh, wow, this is amazing. Let's do this in Canada or, or whatever. Um, but but then you run into the situation where it's like, OK, <laughs> it's a very specific relation to like the, you know, the Franco regime and all, the, all, all these very specific histories um, that sort of stack up to make it possible. Um, but, but I guess I just wanted to focus on, on specifically the efforts to create cooperatives um, in other places, whether it's Poland or Brazil or China. Um, can, you, can you talk a bit about what, what those efforts have looked like and, and have they worked? Carmen. Yeah. Uh, for me, there are two, two different uh, questions in your, in your question. One is about the, the environment that, uh, as you say, uh, the Mondragon has at the beginning and during this, this, these years. Uh, we can find this kind of environments, uh, uh, we can say maybe cooperative environment in other parts of the world. For example, Emilia Romana in Italy is an example. Is, uh, all, many people around the world study the, the phenomenon of Emilia Romana. Also, for example, Antioquia and Colombia, uh, there are uh, environments around the cooperatives that create this, uh, uh, this situation in which the people uh, feel like uh, cooperative co companies are the normal solution for any kind of activities, uh, economics activity, right? And for me, the second question is the special experience of uh, Mondragon, because it's true, it's, uh, it's a phenomenon, but, uh, uh, very important phenomenon for Spain and also internationally, but uh, they cannot reply the, in the 
in the process of the inter internationalization of Mondragon, it's true they cannot reply in other places. But for, in my opinion, they are also amazing experience for other cooperatives around the world. For example, they are uh, a publication of uh, uh, between uh, International Cooperative Alliance and Eurixe. They publish from 10 years in, right now a special, uh, a special report about the 300 cooperatives, the biggest 300 cooperatives in the world. And we can find uh, cooperatives even bigger than, than Mondragon. My, my point is the phenomenon of cooperatives is around the world in a small size and a bigger size. But maybe there are there are few experience or few information or few um, interests in some way uh, to know what happened in this, in, this, in this area. So for me, there are mm. two, two main things. The idea of the big companies, because they are, and Mondragon is one a very, very special sample. And also there are in cooperatives environments. Um, and, and what about Mondragon's uh, efforts to expand abroad? Uh, have, have, have those been effective? I mean, I mean, as you said before, not everybody was expecting in the 20th century, in the 60s, 70s, to see more Mondragons all over the world and to change the economy, you know, that was the alternative. That was uh, the capitalism, communism, and we're expecting, okay, let's see the third way, the Yugoslavian way, the Mondragon way, that will change. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yes, there have been some experiences, uh, some experiences inspired by Mondragon, but always in local, lo local and small, no? small. But then in the years 2000, as you said, Mondragon went abroad. We have uh, uh, Mondragon went abroad and we have these um, many subsidiaries by Mondragon. Nowadays, as you said in the introduction, there are like 140 subsidiaries uh, belonging to the Mondragon companies. Um, and they've been, they went abroad and uh, mostly following the customers uh, they were competing in very global industries, uh, competing with other multinationals, and they were almost obliged to get some size, scale, to compete with the others. Um, yes, they've been transferring some parts of the Mondragon model to these subsidiaries. Yes, they are uh, producing the same products. It's uh, almost producing in the same production method. They are using the Mondragon know-how. Some human resource management techniques could be cooperatives like teamwork, uh, share information, uh, wage, uh, low and low wage scale, all these things are used. But the Mondragon model in itself, we don't see these subsidiaries approach, they are not cooperatives. They are a capitalist firm controlled by Mondragon. And I think this is the next the challenge of Mondragon, no? how to transfer the real Mondragon model, the successful Mondragon model to these subsidiaries abroad. But for the moment, uh, it didn't happen, in my opinion. And you, and you had a specific example of, of Brazil where you actually, you actually do have a, a culture of cooperatives and, and, and so on, and, but there seems to be a tension and there's a lot of support for a solidarity economy in Brazil and there's, a, you know, there's institutions that can, that can, that can back that. But, um, and so, and so, it, and it seems like there's a willingness among the workers, but it didn't happen. And it seems like there's a tension between the sort of centralized control of the Mondragon company and and the sort of cooperativization efforts that might happen on a local level. Can you can you speak a little bit to that tension, and and how you see that sort of playing out? Or yeah, yes, yes, there is. I think the case of Brazil is very interesting because Brazil, it happens. Uh, well, let's say. Mondragon has cooperativized local private companies. Uh, they, they were in the Basque country, they were cooperatives, and some of these cooperatives bought private companies, which were capitalistic companies, and within in some years, five, 10, 15 years, they have been transformed into cooperatives. For example, this company that has a subsidiary in Brazil, Favor Netherland, it, it has uh, cooperativized money subsidiaries in the Basque country and in Navarre and, and another cooperative. This is with in the local area with the legal instruments, with the institutional support and all these things. In Brazil, 
in Brazil is different. In Brazil, it's uh, in Brazil is different. In the in in Brazil, they did studied the possibility of transforming. It wasn't really an attempt. It was a study, a survey, and and they didn't go ahead. Uh, they didn't go ahead. The excuse was said that there were cultural problems, uh, institutional problems, but I think it's also there are other problems. I think it's also a little bit of uh, still uh, cooperatives, the past cooperatives uh, didn't go really through this way. No, uh, they are uh, they they still want to control the foreign subsidiaries. And I think this is the challenge, no? This is the challenge, which is for the moment delaying a little bit too much to do to do steps uh, cooperativization foreign subsidiaries. So, so for people who are interested in international solidarity, building international solidarity on a sort of at, through the economy, through I guess through cooperatives specifically or worker ownership, um, are there any lessons from this sort of specific example that you would that you would draw out or or, or sort of highlight? I, I don't know. I mean, um, I don't. Um, for the moment, we haven't seen cooperatives because the Mondragon case is not the only case. No, Mondragon. In Mondragon, there are like thirty cooperatives that had subsidiaries all over the world. But in France, also there are other other cooperatives like AP or like Acome, which have also many subsidiaries all over the world. And there are also some Italian cooperatives that had subsidiaries all over the world. And all of them, they are. They say that they are trying. Some of them, they have tried a little bit more than the others, but for the moment, we haven't seen these uh, global cooperatives. We haven't seen this uh, inter uh, democratic multinational enterprise or this uh, global cooperative. Uh, they talk about that. They talk about do, giving uh, steps in that direction, but there are always some excuses, constraints, limitations. There is always a crisis, a pandemic or something uh, that is uh, refraining to go to in, in that direction. No? I think it's also a question of powers and politics, no? That uh, and maybe you have to do more pressure in these uh, international cooperatives to encourage them to go in that direction. Yeah, yeah. We always have a discussion about this with Angel. Uh, of course, there are, these limitations are true. This limitation, as you say, institutional problems, cultural problems, the regulation problems, of course, they are this kind of problems. But uh, if I go further, in my opinion, it's a miracle that the cooperatives exists because most of the countries are, everything is ready for the capitalism forms. If you want to create a cooperatives in some places, like a miracle, because they say, this is not a good option, this is inefficient, even in the economics schools, like my schools in the university, explain that cooperatives are inefficient. By theory, in theoretical, uh, in, the, in the syllabus of the, of the subject of the management, okay? So the environment at this moment around the world is not really uh, supporting cooperatives. Of course, there are incredible steps at this moment. For example, very recently, the uh, ILO, uh, International Labor Organization, uh, Establish a definition of social and solidarity economy for over the world, just in the last June. So there are very small steps recognizing the role and the and the contribution of the cooperatives to the world. Of course, there are, and at the same time, as you say, uh, Angel, of course there are problems inside of the cooperatives because the size is very difficult to maintain this economic democracy inside of these big structures. But uh, in, in my opinion, also there are around problems that that, that introduce more complexity to, to do that to do this and they are as you say Montagon is big but there are other agricultural cooperatives there are credit cooperatives there are other kind of cooperatives that they try to solve to solve this uh, this situation of how to develop the modern cooperative in a global sense in a global world but if it's completely true there are problems in the way that the they solve, of course, they true. I guess that leads me, I, I think you've already sort of covered it a little bit, but so so the sense that I get from what you're saying is that is that the workers, you know, relative to like another multinational corporation, the workers who are working in a Mondragon subsidiary, 
benefit from a, a variety of different kinds of solidarity in terms of the um, the, the sort of uh, pay scale or the the, the sort of um, the the ratio the maximum ratio of the the sort of highest paid worker to the lowest paid worker um, in terms of benefits in terms of uh, solidarity if there's layoffs or something like that, um, but that that so far has stopped short of worker control or worker self-governance or worker ownership, which I, I guess are different things. Um, but but it, 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 is is that sort of an, an, an accurate portrayal of, of how Mondragon is is expanding overseas? In, in my opinion, no. In this case, in Mondragon, there is a, a dual system. We have a, a cooperative center and we have a capitalist uh, periphery. Okay. And how different is this capitalist periphery from other uh, multinational subsidiaries? Maybe a little bit different, no? I mean, it's the Mondragon, some teamwork, uh, human resource management some uh, but uh, comparing with other uh, subsidiaries or other multinationals working in the same sector is in my opinion is not so so different no okay. because uh, with what we will make the difference will be this uh, in worker developing the economic democracy by um, profit sharing or employee ownership and for, me, and for the moment, we haven't seen that. We have seen, uh, uh, yes, we have maybe a little bit better conditions, but uh, when we have uh, an economic crisis, when we have to make workers redundant, there is, they do as the other uh, subsidiaries of multinationals. No? So there is this uh, Mondragon for the, for the moment, and, and this is for me the, the great challenge. No? And, of Mondragon is to find a, a model, not necessarily cooperative, but a little bit closer to the cooperatives. And I think that they can do more than they are doing. And, and what do the debates look like within Mondragon? I mean, I, I assume that because you have thousands, tens of thousands of workers, you know, within this network of cooperatives, that they must have different ideas about how, how to act in solidarity with workers who are, you know, under their under their ownership, I guess, um, overseas, uh, or working in, in companies that are under their ownership. Is, is, is there a debate within Mondragon? Is there, are there different, different parts of, of the cooperatives that are pushing for different, different I, I, I think there might be some debate, but it's not public. Um, they don't talk much about these things. They are very occupied in everyday businesses. The business, uh, they, the pressures they have for the market are incredible. They are working very hard, competing with other, with other companies. Uh, the 2008 crisis, pandemia, new digitalization, electrification, all these things, energetic problems, suppliers. So, I mean, in... In the Mondragon Congress in 2003, they said, no, let's find a way to make the subsidiaries uh, closer to the Mondragon model. Let's, do, let's improve participation in profit, ownership, and management. But then in the next 70 years, they didn't say much about this. They didn't advance much in this idea. Now in the last Congress, I think it was 2021 or 20, they said again, no, let's do something to get closer these subsidiaries to the Mondragon model. But there are, no, and they, they say that sometimes, no, that, that is not easy, that culturally is very difficult, that these workers sometimes they don't want. I think uh, <laughs> they can, they could do more than they want, no? There are some real cooperators also that they are worried about this. And others, maybe they are not so worried, but uh, of not doing things in general, Mondragon is taking some advantage. But uh, and it is uh, this contradiction because it's all these Mondragon principles and all the Mondragon philosophy, and with no actions in the foreign subsidiaries, it's a little bit of tension and contradiction. So in a moment, they will have to confront this uh, situation. But as you say, there are debate. At least there is a, a debate inside. 
uh, and I think there are yes. is not only a debate of monogram, it's a, a general debate between the, the biggest properties, how develop this model and how to solve these tensions and conflicts between, as you say, subsidiaries and the and the core of the of the properties. For me, the, the, the question is, at least there is a debate, there are some kind of experience and there are some programs that they are starting in other cooperatives, for example, um, but it's, it's not it's not a way, easy way. Yeah, my opinion, of course, again, is we have to to see the the global picture. It's not only a question of the one cooperative decide to do this. It's a question of how the institutional situation around them uh, support and uh, push also to to this uh, in this way in this in this in this way. So I I wanted to pick up on the on the idea of these sort of pressures, because I mean, my, my understanding of cooperatives is that is that this is a sort of a, a kind of a fundamental problem with with cooperatives is that it's very hard to like once you become a business owner <laughs> collectively, you 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 sort of live all the like intense pressures of the market of you know building your business of, of you become very preoccupied with the logistics of of building a business and it's. It's very hard to create space for a larger political vision or a um, or or meaningful participation even. Um, and, and and you you specifically talk um, in in one of your papers about the sort of life cycle of cooperatives and how management um, voices become more and more dominant over time uh, because of those pressures. Um, and so you end up with you know you start with with maybe a much more participatory culture within a cooperative and then over time it becomes more management centered and more sort of bureaucratic um, can you talk a bit about bit about that in terms of um, in, in terms of your your observations of Mondragon or other cooperatives and 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 are there any ways to stop that life cycle from happening or is it just a natural thing uh, first it's, it's very Curious because in the last uh, jury that I was about uh, about Montreal cooperative, uh, one of the conclusion of the this thesis it was about the, the the this process of the degeneration and regeneration of uh, in a cooperative is not a process that is linear. Is they are living at the, sometimes at the same time. Because as you say, problems in the participation or problems in other kind of uh, characteristics of the cooperative. So it's a continuum process. It's not a question that uh, we have a cooperative and then disappear. No, it's, it's a process that all the time is working about this. Because it's, 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 it's normal, because it's a, from the beginning of the, of the, of the, of the interview, uh, cooperatives are people that work for people. It's not a question of the capital working for uh, capital. It's a people that work for, for people uh, with people. So conflict is always a, 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 a normal, a normal thing. So one of the this experiment, uh, very experienced people in management in cooperatives, they are the management of the cooperation and the management of the conflict. <laughs> this, is the, this is the way. So of course we can find this kind of uh, characteristics, as you say, the degeneration and regeneration, and it depends also very, very, very much about the context, as I'm saying before. For example, in the case of Mondragon, when Mondragon was created, it was created in a context of after the Civil War. It was a context of uh, even a third, uh, third situation, very poor people uh, destroy everything. There are no education system. There are no health system. There are nothing. So it was, Mondragon was the solution in this moment for the problem of the people in this moment. So, but now Mondragon, life during 70 years and appear many, many different kinds of problems. So is adapting all the time of, of this. And the same of the other cooperatives. For example, I, I visit other cooperatives, for example, in Mexico, really, really big cooperatives in housing, in industry, and other kind of different kind of service. And we can find, of course, the same, very similar problems. But of course, every cooperative has the a specific, you not know, a specific situation, especially for the multinational cooperatives. Yes, Mondragon, we have seen this evolution. No? At the beginning, it was Arismendi Arrieta, the prayers, and it was uh, this uh, uh, Christian solidarity transforming the enterprise, very idealistic with the founding leaders, and it was 
from the 56 to the 70s, no? And, and then it became, that was this very idealistic in, in a situation of very neat. Then it was the Mondragon model, no? With the Mondragon group, it was the Basque model also. 80s, nowadays is Mondragon is another thing, no? We have these, uh, these uh, educated people in uh, most of, many of them graduated uh, working in cooperative headquarters, controlling subsidiaries um, with uh, very good wages and very good uh, working conditions. Um, so it has changed, no? But, uh, and I think, uh, and again, no, the cooperative uh, life in the Mondragon Center, it works quite well. The problem is uh, in the subsidiaries where they have to go a little bit farther, no? And the problem, it will be also, oh no, how to adapt to these, uh, I don't know, we we're talking before about these uh, new challenges of uh, climate change or or global competition inequalities, but in the Mondragon area, in the Basque country, is working quite well. But as you say, it's in the Mondragon area, in the rest of the country, as you say, there is a, it's not the same. You say the core of the Basque country, the, the Mondragon area, is the, the influence of a Mondragon cooperative, you see, is huge. As if we look on the rest of the country and we look on the other parts of this, of the Spain, we don't find this this the same the same situation the same condition. So, yeah, okay. I'm sorry, Drew, I interrupt you. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's it's great. Um, you you talked about the the nonlinear sort of process of of um, you know some you know it's not a it's not a direct link where you start you start idealistic and they turn into a you know bureaucratic management sort of thing. It's you know there's always a process happening. Um, do you, are there any sort of specific examples that you could point to about um, Mondragon or within Mondragon or or, or 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 other cooperatives that you've talked about where there's been a there's there's been a sort of a drift toward management and then a, and then a and then a a reversal of that of that process and and sort of how it happened. I mean, I, I noticed. I think there was one example, and this might not apply, but but it was like there was actually an, a decrease in the in the ratio of the lowest wage to the highest wage. So so you actually. Um, you actually had you had a a reversal of the trend of like a constant lengthening difference between the highest and lowest wages. Um, would that would that be an example of of a sort of reversal, or are there any any others that you could point to that that would be of of interest? I mean, talking about wages, for example, it is true. No, at the beginning it was one, two, three. One was the top manager, and three was oh no, three was the top manager, and one as the bottom worker. No, and it was one, two. 4.5, 1 to 6, 1 to 9, 1 to 12, exceptionally with the top of the Mondragon. And as most of the people, is 1 to 5, no? But um, of the companies, but there is a few people who is earning only one, no? Most of the, most of the worker has some um, seniority and qualification and extras. But for example, in the case on the, when Fagor Electrodomesticos was having this problem, all the workers of the Mondragon Valley, which is called, there are many cooperatives, Favor, Rederland, Favor Automation, eh, Mondragon Assembly, Favor Industrial, Favor Electronica, etc. All the workers decided to reduce their wage to help the workers of Favor Electrodomesticos. I mean, there is a, yes, the wage gap has been increasing, but when there is the need, the workers decide to, okay, we are going to earn less 10% less, which is a lot, <laughs> to help the, or 5% less, to help the workers of a cooperative which is uh, having problems. And at the end, it didn't work, but they lost their money. And that was an example of, uh, I don't know, say, uh, regeneration or solidarity or intercooperation action. No? That's a remarkable example. Um, can you can you describe a little bit what, what, the, what the sort of, what the organizing, I mean, there must have been people really, I mean, I, I can't imagine that people just spontaneously decided 
to reduce their wages by 10%. There must have been some people must have really been pushing for that as a as one one of the solutions to to express their solidarity. But but can you can you talk a little bit about the process, how that decision came about? Well, I I, I wasn't there. No, I am a researcher from outside. No, but I was following and speaking with friends and with um, working members. No. And that was when Fagor, uh, nobody wanted Fagor Electromestico closing. No, everybody was trying to help. The crisis is going to be over. They need some cash now. The the corporation was giving money. The past government was giving money. <laughs> Lagunaro was giving money. Everybody was giving money. And the workers, in a certain moment, because I have to say, there are uh, still these. Uh, uh, the, some cooperatives in the Mondragon Valley, they 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 share profits, no? They they pull profits. Uh, a part of the profits, let's say I don't know how much is it. It might be 10, 15 percent. They put in in common, and then they do the the they distribute again, no? So if a if a cooperative has had losses with pulling profits might have some uh, profits at the end, no? This is helping each other. And these are some mechanisms that are established institutionally and that's working. Sorry. And, and Carmen, um, I, the, so an argument that I've heard, um, and on, only sort of in, in, you know, in, in large strokes, but is, is sort of a comparison or a contrast between the Mondragon model of trying to become internationally competitive, which is to which is to expand overseas and and sort of um, you know create global supply chains and and maybe be able to access you know uh, you know lower wages basically um, in order to maintain maintain competitiveness internationally. But then you have I think some people have contrasted that with the Emilio Romana model where where it's more of a regional intensification. Um, do you think there's anything to this comparison and and I'd love to hear any of your thoughts on that. I'm sorry, I'm not sure if I, I understand uh, everything, but uh, when I say these examples of Emilia or Antioquia or another on other territories, for me it's the same like uh, Basque Country, it's the same uh, very similar uh, very similarities. And if we talk about how and why Mondragon decide to international the, the process of internationalization is because they want to keep. The, the employ of the people of the valley. They don't go away, they don't go abroad because they want to take the production from Mondragon Valley to other parts of, of the world. The traditional mm -hmm. process of internationalization of a company is they usually uh, uh, translate the production of one place to other place because it's cheaper and the wages are uh, lower and the condition, uh, the tax conditions are lower and so on. But when we in this process of internationalization, the reason, that usually the, the, the common reason is to keep the, the jobs in the place, not to take out the, 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 the jobs to other, other parts of the world. In, all, in this way, they start a, a, a dual process to create a new projects uh, or even buy other, other companies and so on in order to maintain the conditions of the of the of the original uh, company if you look if you talk you look at other companies other multinational companies uh, they sometimes even they compete between them in order to low to to to, to, to decrease the salaries of the people the inside of the uh, the same company they put the comp uh, the different uh, subsidiaries to compete between other between each others uh, in order in this way to decrease even the the salaries between the workers. In my opinion, is not this. This is not the process of the most of the cooperatives that we know, and it's a different way to understand how we can develop a cooperative model in this crazy world. We are living in a world that is increased right. the inequalities and and increasing the the environmental problems. How we can solve this kind of problems? Maybe there are some solutions, and maybe there we can look a little bit more about cooperatives. Yeah, so so I think that's a, a crucial distinction between offshoring and in terms of like closing a factory in you know in 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 Europe or in the U.S. and then and then moving that whole thing to a place with lower labor standards. But instead, you have in order to maintain that the, those factories, you expand overseas, 
to 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 increase competitiveness. I I um I, I guess I'm now <laughs> sorry I'm I, I'm remembering the argument a little better, which I think was that Mondragon is trying to compete in international markets, which which on you know when you're when you're trying to to sell a you know a dishwasher or something at the at the same price as like a, a multinational that has a big factory in China, then obviously it's it's very difficult to do that when your factories are all in, you know, Basque country and, you know, which is, has a higher, higher wages and standard of living and everything. Um, but I think the, the contrast was with um, like Emilia a, a, a Romana, which, which I, this person it, it seemed to imply anyway, was, was more sort of focused on regional markets and was able to access more sort of solidarity in terms of, in terms of the, in terms of maintaining a slightly better pricing structure so that they're not, forced into this international market where they're having to to push wages down um but um but do, does that ring any bells or does that does that um, make any make sense to you i mean in that case i mean in, in new cases from emilia romana that they have been also transformed into multinational sagni tefla they are in the top 10 of uh, workers cooperatives and in these cases, the workers' member ratio, non-worker management ratio, are terribly worse than in the case of Mondragon, no? Okay. And in, in Mondragon, in this case, uh, in ratios of member non-members, it's not doing very well, <laughs> but others are doing worse still in this case. And it depends very much of the product, of the trajectory of the firms. I mean, it's in these cases, like... Uh, Mondragon cases, no? if you are an automotive supplier uh, or you change your business and you close the factory and you try to find other kind of business or you become a global supplier, there are no options. And in the case of Mondragon, they have decided to, to be global suppliers. No? It's the case of Copresi, for example. No? Copresi was doing, Fragor was doing um, gas regulators for Fragor Electrodomesticos. And they started exporting gas regulators for barbecues in the United States. But the United States uh, companies went to Mexico and they asked Copresi to go to Mexico with them. So he started, they went to Mexico to do gas regulators for the barbecues. And then the, the companies went to China. So they have to go to China to do gas regulators to, <laughs> to these kind of things. And then they went back to the United States. Then you have to go back to the United States. You are following them. So you can decide not to do that, let's do other do that, let's do this kind of jobs to, let's give this kind of jobs, this part of the economy to multinational, to private companies. I don't agree. I, I think that they should keep the, doing as much product as possible. They, I, and also they should be as large as possible, but always maintaining as much as possible the cooperative spirits of principles and spreading them all over the world. Not necessarily at the first of the process, but uh, yes, have this idea of improving things. Um, and I'm, I'm curious about the, I, I think Mondragon has some subsidiaries in China as well. Is that right? Yes, many. Um, and, and, and I'm just curious, you know, just given the sort of um, political situation there, um, or, or regulatory sort of framework, which is obviously, I, I would imagine, quite different. Um, is, is there a difference between, for example, you know, um, Mondragon subsidiaries in Brazil and Mondragon subsidiaries in China in terms of all the different measures that you are using in terms of pay equity and, uh, and, and solidarity and workplace participation and all that stuff? Oh, no. it's, 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 it's difficult, it's different, no? I mean, probably Brazil culturally is closer to the Basque country, no? And speaking Portuguese, speaking Spanish, it's not so different. And maybe in Brazil, cooperatives are more spread than in China or... Well, that depends on the town in the city, in Brazil also, no? And in China also, you have all these... Uh, the problem is that all these subsidiaries, sometimes they are... In big cities like Sao Paulo, Shanghai, Guadalajara, and in this uh, capitalist uh, metropolis, no, 15 million, 20 million people working very hard, and in these companies sometimes there are huge turnover of workers, no, 
And these workers, and in the case in China, we were, they are demanding overtime, no? They are there to work, workers coming from the countryside, going to these uh, uh, capitalist factory metropolis, and what do they want to do is to, to earn as much money as possible. So uh, for the cooperatives, this is a huge problem because they go to the, how do you say, to the mouth of the wolf. <laughs> you are in the, in the, in the capitalist hell, no? and it's very difficult to get out clean from this uh, situation. Yeah, so I, I think I think we're getting close to the end here, but uh, but I guess I guess I'd like I'd love to hear your sort of you know um, on hell. You seem to be saying that that um, you know international that, that that cooperatives should. You think that the best the best sort of way forward is for cooperatives to expand as as large as possible, but to make greater efforts to expand cooperation as large as possible as well. Um, do you see do you see any other sort of pathways to internationalizing cooperative co cooperation um uh, you know is is there a more sort of um mutual version of this where 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 the big cooperatives sort of um help help develop cooperatives on their own footing that are independent in the global south um are there any models like that that that, that you would advocate or or do you think it's just a matter of of continuing to 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 grow the existing cooperatives and then and then spread cooperation that way. No, I I think that has well, no, I think this this idea, no Schumacher, small 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 is beautiful, but uh, cooperative should remain small, or cooperative should be uh, bakeries and gift shops and art. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't uh, share with that idea. No, I think they should be uh, as they, they, they should be all kind of cooperatives. It's good to have a small cooperative, medium cooperative, and large cooperative. And we and we know that when we are getting larger, we might lose the or a genuinity of the cooperative. We might lose something in the way, and we can get into hybridization processes or maybe in this new neo cooperativism. And, or we can become some kind of capitalist enterprises, not half cooperatives and half capitalist. Uh, but still, there are this, there are alternative organizations. But this is idea, no? They have to maintain this spirit of transformation of the economy. If there is also the risk, eh? there is the risk of total degeneration. No, we become capitalist enterprises making profits for a few. That happen also. There is this risk. So, but there is, a, bueno, but there is a little bit the field, play field, and and I think cooperatives should play in all the the terrains, no, in the small, medium, large, and hyper large <laughs> sizes. Uh, I would like to remind that the cooperatives start in the nineteenth century, and they start in USA, in Spain, in France, in Mexico. So, at the same time. In, in UK, start the first cooperatives, the uh, recognized cooperatives, the pioneers of Rosdale, uh, start at the same time in many parts of the world. So it, it was, I mean, a moment with no phones, no WhatsApp, no uh, this kind of uh, technological things that we have right now. It, it's start like a movement. It's not a question only about to have cooperatives or not. It's to have a spirit of cooperatives, as, as say Angel. Angel say we need to maintain the challenge to maintain the spirit of the transformation of the of the reality to 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 give the opportunity of the people to be happy or to have a a, a good life. If we think this way, we need to create again this kind of cooperative movement because uh, I feel I feel that we are living in like a blind society at this moment that think that we don't have problems. We are living in Canada, for example, as you. We are living in Spain. We have, of course, we have some kind of problems, but the rest of the world they have big, big, big problems, and even the next generations. If we don't, uh, if we don't um, think that we have uh, very incredible big problems about climate emergency and inequality problems around the world, we are living in another, in another moment or historical moment. So at this moment, there are big challenges that we need to, to solve together again as we 
land in other uh, historical moments. For me, as uh, Angel said, we need small cooperatives, we need medium, large, and hyper-large cooperatives to try to solve this, the, the problems that we are living together. One, one last question is just like, you know, for if you were speaking to, to you know, a, a young, young person getting into cooperatives and, um, you know, how, how would you, what would, what, what advice would you give or what would you, what suggestions would you make for somebody who wants to both expand cooperation, you know, much to be much bigger than it is uh, and, and to be many, much a bigger part of the economy than it currently is, um, but also maintain those ideals, maintain those that 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 uh, deep sort of participation and um, and and democratic spirit uh, that you were talking about. Um, what what would you say to to somebody like that? For me, there are two. two uh, I, I mean, yes, uh, yes, Carmen. No, 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 no. You go. Okay. Uh, if we are thinking about a young person that we would like to start a, a cooperative project, the first step. Um, uh, I don't know in your country, but uh, in the last years here in Spain, most of the political uh, decision is to promote the self-employment, to have their own companies and the people uh, uh, create their own jobs. This is a crazy policy. It's a crazy policy because uh, the individual entrepreneur is very fragile, is very vulnerable. If you push, uh, create the conditions to collective entrepreneur, you are creating a stronger, a stronger firm, strong uh, projects, economics projects. However, there's a little problem. The collective entrepreneur needs um, skills to manage the cooperation, to manage the conflict, to manage that you are together with other people. I don't know in your in your area, but uh, there are few experience of cooperation, even the school, even in the our neighborhoods, very few experience of cooperation. So we need to support this kind of experience. Uh, this is for the people that start. And when you say how to uh, increase the size of your project, uh, at the beginning we explained that that uh, Mondragon is a federation of cooperatives that they decide to work together. And they are independent and they have their own decisions and they decide to do something in common. For example, the benefits, they decide the 50% to pull together to share the risk and to share, uh, to push another project, to promote the cooperation, to promote other different kind of projects. In my opinion, this is an amazing uh, way to understand that we can be small, we can maintain our project, we can be independent, but we can work in networks. For example, uh, you, me, uh, Angel, we, we can have our own uh, project, but together we are stronger. And even we collaborate with others, we could be stronger and stronger. But in this idea, networks, uh, responsibility, because if you want to be independent, you want to be co you want to cooperate with others and you want to be uh, in a federation, you have to be responsible too about your decisions, about how you uh, contribute to the common good. So this model is, uh, in my opinion, is very amazing in, in this moment because you can work with people all over the world. It's not necessary to be together in the same place. At this moment, the cooperative platforms in the digitalization is a challenge that can be um, can be a, 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 a new way to to cooperation between people around the world. It's not necessary to be in the same place. We need to 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 crush this uh, this uh, frontiers. I don't know. It's to, to crush the idea that we can collaborate with people in other parts is not necessary to be in the same place. I mean, in, in my opinion, no, I mean, if you want to expand the uh, grow, uh, is to, to try to follow cooperative principles as much as possible. No, there are the principles are there and they are very, very clear. And there are two principles, which is uh, democratic decision or control, which is employee ownership, which is profit sharing, which is participation in management. All these things, no, if you are not giving a participation in ownership to other people, you are excluding them. This is the, the first principle of, of participation in ownership uh, or profits. No? You are exploiting them in very clear sense. No? So that, that's, I mean, it's to follow as much as possible the cooperative uh, principles. 
when it's possible. And if it's not possible, no later. Th thank you. Uh, thank you both so much uh, for joining us. Is there is there anything you'd like to point people to in terms of uh, either your writings or other other readings about cooperatives or or media uh, that that you think our listeners would be interested in? No, I think we have been talking about the Mondragon, and there is a huge literature about the Mondragon. There are many articles, many books, and if they are interested in the Mondragon, um, how it is um, international expansion, or in the power bankruptcy, we have written, and they can find our uh, articles in uh, ResearchGate or in many other places. No? And if they want to contact us also, they will be welcome. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Uh, and thank you very much, too, for this invitation. Carmen, did you want to add anything? No, no. Is uh, uh, we are if there are people interested in this area, of course, we are available for them. Please, uh, we can contact and again we we brought together. And thank you, thank you very, very much well, for your yeah. for your invitation to this uh, podcast. <laughs>